Okay, so let's move on. I would love to uh, talk a little bit about what comes next in your life. Uh, you already mentioned about Asirua, and um, so I would love to talk about a little bit about uh, psychedelics and how they can be useful as a spiritual tool and as a tool for healing, healing trauma, and uh, sort of finding uh, connection and meaning and inspiration uh, and guidance in life. So uh, tell me a little bit about how you uh, came to discover the, the psychedelics in your life. Mm. It's a very good topic, important. Very important. Um, well, maybe we can start with meditation. Uh, like I said before, I, I practiced meditation for like year and years until I was 35 and I felt then that home is not giving me anything like I felt like stuck in that. Then uh, I somehow I must have been reading about the, the summons in the South America and their spiritual practice and ayahuasca. Uh, then it somehow came to my mind like oh I now have to go to ayahuasca ceremony. And then uh, I did some research. At the time, it was not so popular like it is nowadays. It was not easy to find place to, to do it. I wanted to find one place in uh, in the Netherlands. There was a center. Actually, first thing I went to do there it was a peyote ceremony because at the, at the moment I was doing the research that that was happening there. I said, okay. Let's go there and do that first, and that was also a very interesting experience. Uh, actually, it was not very strong, but it was still like it felt interesting somehow. Uh, then I went back in the same place. They had ayahuasca ceremony like two months after that. And the first, it was two nights. It was uh, a, a father and a son from the Hunikuin tribe. Who were, who in, in Brazil, from Brazil. Yeah, from yeah. Brazil, who were leading that ceremony. Uh, it was a shaman called uh, Sana Bane, a very good father man, and his father Sia. And it was the first night, it was like uh, I never had this experience of psychedelics like in that way. When I was a younger, when I was in my Teenage somehow, I did try uh, cannabis like once. It wasn't very interesting experience at the time. When I first tried cannabis, I hadn't even done any meditation yet, so it was kind of like just increasing the um, this feeling of paranoia, and my mind was just going a circle. It wasn't going a little useful. I I never had interest in this recreational use of any psychedelics, I had no interest in that. But, uh, so this ayahuasca ceremony actually was maybe, yeah, it was like my second experience of psychedelics. If I'm not sure if uh, cannabis is uh, considered psychedelic or not. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, the first experience of very like even with my eyes open, I could see things that I, somehow my my mind was saying like, oh, that cannot be true. But I just saw like spirits and I just saw things there. Like I, I kind of 
I just, my mind was thinking, oh, it cannot be happening. It was, uh, yeah, it was an interesting experience somehow. Different from from meditation, very different. Somehow I'm I'm because of my experience of meditation for so many years, I could keep my mind from from getting freaked out. I could keep myself in balance, but still it was very strong night. Uh, Actually, the f- after the first night, I was thinking maybe I don't go in the second night because it was so um, somehow tough or rough night. I think maybe for my body, for my body, I guess I was maybe more vomiting a lot. Or I don't know. I guess for my body, I felt very tired. But of course, I I understood like all my mind is just playing like like it, it often does. Mm. Like in my years of going to meditation retreats, I, I remember that feeling you go to a retreat that before it starts, your mind is like start to create all this negativity again, like, oh, I have to leave here. But because you already know your mind is, is doing this always that you always your, your mind is uh, doing something new that it knows it has to change. So it's a, a resistance of the ego is that's ego. I knew like, okay, my ego is resisting this. So of course, I went to the second night and that was also different. Um, but afterwards, I could like kind of feel like one of the most significant things that happened to me in the in one of these ceremonies was like I, I went to some kind of state of being. Maybe my eyes were closed. I, I could sense that I didn't remember I don't remember seeing anything specific I just felt like uh, God is present here now and I kind of understood and I accept um, it's a very mm, strong experience in a way that I was in my life I was not atheist I was not against the idea of being a God but I was like a agnostic, like I was thinking, oh, God has no meaning for me. It's just like, doesn't matter if it's there or not. So even when you were doing the meditation and then the meditation retreats and you were in India, so it wasn't sort of a, a spiritual purpose for you. It was more of like a healing. Yeah, it was healing for my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Healing for my mind and healing for the, for the emotional things. And I, I did feel it like I didn't see it as like a spiritual practice of course now thinking about it it's interesting because in a, in our culture actually our culture is saying like first of all it's saying mind and this and the bodies do different things so it doesn't even allow this connection between mind and the body so of course with the meditation I could feel like there's some so big connection between the body and the mind but somehow the spiritual aspect of that is like I, I was not kind of connecting it to the spirituality. But that experience of, of being in the, in the presence of what I would later say like this is the, the God, this is the divine. So after that I kind of felt like oh no, I, I know God is there. There is a God. And I was like okay, nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, 
and I just felt like psychedelics can be uh, used for spiritual progress or spiritual growing. And I could understand in that moment that it's uh, it's a very good useful tool to connect yourself. And after that first ceremony, first ceremony it was like I think eight years ago now, maybe it's even more nine years ago. And after that I've been to ayahuasca ceremonies maybe fifty times. I stopped counting at some point. Also, I tried the other classic psychedelics. Like in this moment, we could make a clear distinction. When I talk about psychedelics, uh, it's like people have ideas psychedelics is drugs. For me, like I call drugs, is uh, this kind of chemical things and artificial things made by humans. Like oh, television is it's a drug. Alcohol is a drug. A power, it can be a big drug, uh, money, uh, things like that, like things that are, well, anything can be a drug, food can be a drug, sex can be a drug, gambling. Like the most important thing anything. is like how it, how it affects you. Yeah. Does it affect your life negatively and cause dependency exactly. or does it affect you positively yeah. and, and cause you to be more free and, and, and to be able to more healthy and live out your potential yeah. then i would call something like that medicine yeah yeah and, and i like to actually in south america or in english language there is this entheogen entheogens i don't know in finnish we don't have that but i like to call it these names is like something that connects you with the, with the divine uh, and so i i try all of these classic like plants that they use in the shamanic traditions like ayahuasca, uh, peyote, san pedro, I have also tried a couple of times. Um, of course, well there's a, a plant from Africa called ipuka, I also tried that once. Um, of course mushrooms I, I have taken maybe five times. Uh, there's a, a frog in Mexico called Bufo Alvarius, one of the strongest psychoactive thing, uh, substances in the world. I have tried that two times. Mm, yeah, but I feel like at one point I also went to ayahuasca ceremonies, not only to go in the ceremony, but because I was living at the time, I was living in Norway and I was feeling kind of, mm, I didn't have a, friends there, I didn't have any social life. So it was more like to go in the ceremony to, to hang out with people I like. It was more like a social thing. That's that's also important to, yeah, to have connections. Absolutely. And so I would really like to hear more about sort of the the history and, and culture and the ceremonial setting mm. and, and some of the like what were the original reasons why people were using this uh, uh, psychedelics for, for, for healing purposes and, and what mm. kinds of things were they able to heal uh, with these? Mm. Oh, do you have water by the way? My mouth is getting dry. Absolutely. I can turn it off. <laughs> Good. Yeah, it's important to drink when you talk or sing, otherwise you get dry. 
that's it. We left our T. <laughs> T back there. Yeah, what is the tradition? Well, in South America, in these tribes, native tribes who live in the, in the jungle, they used uh, psychedelics. Like, for example, let's talk about ayahuasca. It has been used for thousands of years. Um, I think uh, we don't know because the first Westerners who went there, of course, they went there maybe a couple of hundred fifty years ago. They don't know exactly how long it's been used. What, what is ayahuasca? Ayahuasca is a, is a kind of tea. Uh, it's made from two, two plants cooked together. One plant is, is a wine and the other plant is, is a, a leaf of a, a bush. I think, and they cook these two plants together and it makes a kind of tea and uh, tea is called ayahuasca and uh, it's interesting these two plants each by themselves they don't cause any, any psychoactive effect the, the, the leaves it's called in the language it's called sacruna and the, and the wine is called ayahuasca also and the, and the sacrunal leaves have this, uh, as, as we in our Western medicine, we call it the DMT is the active ingredient. So if you just make tea from the sacrunal leaves, uh, it doesn't give you any effect because uh, there's an enzyme in the stomach that breaks down the, the DMT in the leaves. And it's only this ayahuasca, uh, plant the liana it has something that stops the enzyme from functioning so it's only when you cook these together cook them together and you you have the tea and the in the ingredient in the ayahuasca liana it stops the enzyme from functioning and then it doesn't work and then your body can absorb the dmt and it's very um interesting also question has been like how is it possible that they found to, to make this ayahuasca yeah tea. from from thousands and thousands and thousands of species yeah, in the amazon rainforest exactly and also i understood like they grow in completely different part of the jungle so it's like some some have said oh maybe they tried different things tried everything <laughs> yeah i mean one theory is like oh they yeah. just tried different things yeah. And they found it, but that cannot be right because there's thousands of plants. How could they know? So actually, in the mythology, one of the stories, like uh, the, it was the spirit of tobacco plant that was giving information to the shamans how you make ayahuasca, and that's how it that's how it came to be. Mm, ayahuasca, yeah, it has been used in different in different tribes in the Amazon jungle. Um, there's a history, yeah, in, in their culture they, they use these plants to connect with the, with the nature, with the, with the divine. Because also they don't really make distinction between the nature and the divine as we do in our Western culture. I guess they see it in the way that it's all connected, mm. like nature, uh, humans, animals, exactly. 
everything and and, yeah. the, and the divine is like not a not a separate thing yes and so i'm really curious about the ceremonial structure what happens in the in the ceremony and what is the importance of of having these experiences with the divine what are the pragmatic uh, takeaways uh, the setting is like mm, well i think it's good to mention in this point it's um very important when you go to if you if you want to go to ayahuasca ceremony you find someone who, who are really uh, experienced who can keep this space safe safe in a way from from energies that don't belong there because unfortunately in our cultures we in in the western culture in the european mindset we are not taught we don't learn anything anywhere these things about the spirit world and how there's like energies around us all the time that we don't see and this uh, psychoactive uh, plants medicines why also like to call them medicines they open like a in the human around the human is a kind of our like we have a we are protected by a certain energy field and when we take some psychoactive uh, substance it kind of opens portals it opens holes in the in the field that we have around us for the healing to happen and for the good good spirits also come to, to heal us but it also it's very important that the someone who's leading the ceremony can see that no no energies that are not good for you enter in the space <coughs> and yeah it's um so the, the actual setting is like there's someone or there's a couple of someone who keep the space safe because uh, really uh, kind of training to become a shaman if like you are in the middle of the jungle for one year and you do a very intense uh, dieta which is like kind of where you commit yourself to to follow a certain way of life like that excludes things like meat and salt and any other foods from your life no sex no contact with anybody no talking with anybody and they they take ayahuasca and they they learn to to work with the spirits so they, they have experience like when the, the someone is not there as a person but i feel like the someone is still more like a channel that that uh, allows the, the the plant the spirit of the plant the spirit of the nature to come in the space and take care of everything so the someone is just like a in that moment it's like a, a channel for the for the actual divine or, or the spirits that need to be there to heal people that's that's an important thing that you mentioned about the channel because this is definitely something that i want to clarify to people mm -hmm. that that um ayahuasca shamans uh they're not uh sort of uh, teaching you or trying to trying to sort of encourage you to believe what they believe and mm -hmm. so there's no dogma that is being spread around mm -hmm. it's more like they become the channels and they make a they create a safe space mm -hmm. 
and then sort of it's it's about surrendering and allowing sort of the medicine to do the work mm. so the medicine sort of does the teaching mm. sure the shamans might do some teaching mm. as well but like like the culture is is not based on on dogma in the same sense as as the religious cultures mm. are that you have to follow a certain dogma of course there are spiritual practices which are mm. pragmatic like mm. you you know when you go in a dieta you you know you eat restricted in a restricted way because this will sort of weaken the body so that you can be more available for the mm. spiritual space and sort of like uh, uh, there are practices that you can do uh, that that sort of if you're interested if you're curious or if you feel the feel the calling uh, or if you feel that you need healing in, in ways you can you can explore this and there's a way to do it safely and uh, sort of um, with my first experiences with ayahuasca i was i was like i was really scared to death that i'm gonna become some kind of hippie and i'm gonna grow dreadlocks and I'm gonna, like, yeah. you know i was really scared and 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 what i what i've been finding out ever since is that i'm like i'm becoming more myself and feeling more myself who who mm -hmm. i am and it's an incredible thing because all these fears about you know what if i'm gonna be like this or like that it's sort of you realize and, and the medicine will show you that these are different layers of fears that mm. are just blocking me from being who I really am and there's like there's a natural way to connect to that and I think the beauty of ayahuasca is that it can it can connect you to your truest essence who you mm. are actually without all these layers of conditioning that that are you know you know placed upon us through society and and you know, uh, you know, growing up and, and TV and all this. Mm. So, um, moving on from sort of, uh, so now we, we've covered like the natives, they've been using it for thousands of years for healing. And, um, there's a ceremonial structure. And also I would like to mention that they're a very important part of all ayahuasca cultures and all plant medicine cultures is the, the songs mm. and the, yes. and the songs, uh, what, what is the, what is the sort of the purpose of this 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 songs or, or chants? Mm. Yeah, it's it's a very good thing that you brought it up. It's very important, but like in in their culture, it's called Ikaro. It's this uh, it, they say the songs songs actually come from the spirits, and uh, it's very important. There's a lot of knowledge about the Ikaros about the songs uh, I asked uh, one of my teachers well Asirua was telling me once uh, that it's very important the shaman uh, use a, a song in a certain situation to call a certain spirit in the room and so there's a lot of things that can be connected to this like for example, in, even in, in the Christian Bible, it says something like in the beginning was, was the word. And in the, in the Hindu scriptures, it says like the Om sound, the vibration was the, the thing that created the whole universe. And, and it's very important to, to, to understand is like these songs have a vibration and the vibration is connecting to some energy, some spirit. When you're in the in the ayahuasca 
ceremony and you you hear the song and you you have your eyes closed sometimes you can see a, a particular song it creates a certain kind of a pattern that you can see and it's very important that someone is using uh, using songs that are kind of healing or doing that work that in the in that moment is is needed uh, i have heard that uh, unfortunately these days because there's a lot of tourism also in this hill of ayahuasca it happens sometimes that uh, someone who wants power uh, sings songs in a, in a ceremony that kind of create or bring some strong force in the in the ceremony but it maybe is not needed in the moment uh, just because the someone knows that this this song is creating some energy that somehow is is very impressive in that moment so it's a, it's a lot of responsibility from the someone to use the the songs that are, are right in that moment and it takes a lot of in the integrity uh, of the someone to 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 do the work that that is is needed not only what the someone wants to do and for myself like uh, I have met nothing, nothing I would say like um, with an evil intention. But I have met someone who are not, or, or someone or people who carry the medicines who don't have so much experience themselves, and even if they have a good heart, but they don't know necessarily what they're doing. Um, that's why for me it's very, very important. When I go to ceremony, uh, that I, I know that someone is, is very uh, authentic, has a very good heart, uh, has a very strong integrity. I guess humility also. Humility, yeah, important. humility is very, very important. Yeah. Okay. If so someone is, is thinks like, oh, I'm the big someone, then. <laughs> let him be his yeah. own big term exactly. yeah, yeah. so um what do you think uh are, are the roles what is the role of psychedelics today why are people from from europe and and america and, and, and all, all sort of places around the world um uh, going to work with ayahuasca and other mm -hmm. other medicines uh, visionary medicines and uh, and what do you see in the big picture that is the purpose and what is the, the potential that they have? Again, it's a big topic. Sorry? It's a big topic. It's a big again. topic. It's a big topic. Yeah. yeah uh, well, one of the things that I, I know I heard mm, the shamans used to do ayahuasca ceremony only in the jungle, like it was not even in their mind to, to bring it into Europe. But then apparently the medicine itself talked with someone said like go and spread this in the in the west like people there need this so it's a, the medicine knows that us westerners uh, without this uh, information without this um, power of the medicines to connect us with the with the divine with the nature with ourselves we would kill ourselves so i i see like the these plants is one of the one of the ways that is kind of saving humanity. Uh, 
and hope if we can learn from them we can understand them mm, what is the yeah like people from europe search for these things now because we are so much in pain we are so disconnected from everything uh, that people just feel them in their soul they feel in their spirit like oh i need somehow to find healing that's why people look for these things that's it yeah thanks a lot for as well for explaining this and, and i also mm. want to bring up like uh, like um collective consciousness and collective healing mm. uh which which um feels very important that um that the consciousness of earth is uh, in a very painful state mm. at the moment mm. we're having crisis all the time and we're like you said we're so disconnected mm. uh, and and um there's so much healing that at this point we can we can already go through with the consciousness that we have and with the mm. Like with the with the medicines that we have, and there's so much we can we can heal, and there's so so many ways in which we can make this world a better place for for you know future generations. And but but sort of a lot of people don't have this in the West. We don't have this approach that you that you you know we have have to start with ourselves. You know, you gotta feel it to heal it. You know, um, you gotta you gotta go into into this shadow mm. uh, as Carlion says we all have the shadow mm. uh, so you have to look at that uh, you have to feel it and and this is how you become humble and, and, and find compassion and this is how you become compassionate and this is what you can sort of bring it's it's a vibration that once you find that you will mm. be able to sort of bring that energy into the world and into everything that you do mm. so Sort of, if you want something to happen in the world, you want the world to be a more compassionate place. Find compassion for yourself, and, and this medicine can be very, very powerful because you can go look at your you look at your deepest, deepest shadows and fears, mm. and and you can sort of find that hey, you know what? Like I feel this. You know, it's it's uncomfortable. It's inconvenient. It's scary as fuck. Mm. You know, it's it can be hellish. Also. But you know, I can choose to be still and and to be compassionate and, and sort of to find that inner inner shaman or inner inner adult that is wise and and sort of able to handle this. And this is sort of this is a capacity that once you learn that capacity, you can you can you know hold that space and hold that capacity for the people mm-hmm. in your life. And and so the approach is 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 a uh, the way I see it is that you start with yourself, so do your own healing, and then sort of you can you can bring the healing into the world. And this is why a healing is so important because for this is for people who don't understand that that everybody has traumas. If if you weren't abused as a child, it, do, it don't matter. Probably there's generations and generations and generations of trauma mm. somehow coming down, stored down yeah. in your body that you might have to work with. We all carry our share and this is something mm. that uh, i think everybody who's who's made the effort to to look within has has discovered and uh, mm. it's not a bad thing it's not i don't i don't think about karma 
or, or sin or things like that. I just say, you know, we have this thing, you know, we have this trauma in our body and now it's, you know, it's a practical decision. What do, what do you want to do with it? Do you want to sort of escape that or you want to go, go into it to heal it, go through it, feel it to heal it. And this medicine helps with that. So it sort of, this enables us to live the kind of life that is authentic when you're, when you're present for your emotions, both the difficult ones and the beautiful ones and, and sort of it can make life a lot more fuller and, and, and it, and it all works together, you know, holistic health, meditation, uh, ayahuasca and other psychedelic medicines, mm-hmm. like, uh, it all works, works together and thus it's, it's all sort of connected and something that's also very difficult to, I feel like it's, it's difficult to describe and, and until you've had the feeling of connecting with the divine, you know, you're, yeah, you're, you're exactly. It's like uh, human mind is in a way, if the whole, uh, well, if the whole universe is like a beach, then a human mind is like one grain of sand that is so small it cannot really understand anything. And if if you try to intellectualize what is divine and what is everything else, it's not possible for the mind because mind is so small thing. That's it. Uh, in in this moment, a couple of things come to my mind to to speak about. But first of all, it came to my mind earlier. You were asking me what other things in my life are like supporting my spiritual path. I would say choose the company that that uh, you are hanging out with very carefully. Like for me. Um, I've always been very kind of introvert person and I don't socialize much and uh, it's also especially came to my mind like what you were saying about love and acceptance. Of course I, I accept people and I, I learned to accept a lot of things and, and people using alcohol and all kinds of things. Uh, accept them but still I, I myself I choose very very carefully who I let in my life, who, who I hang out with, because it's like I'm I'm not interested about uh, like too much negative negativity or or gossiping about somebody else or things that may many times people kind of consider as normal. It doesn't really interest me exactly like this reading of the news and talking about what happened somewhere and all this negative stuff. So I'm I'm very picky. Yeah, I 100% back you up. That is, I think, one of the most important words of advice that you can give to anybody. Yeah, I I think even even the Buddha, uh, I, I like. I mean, I I was doing this vipassana meditation, which is also in that they talk about uh, the life of Buddha very much, and I I read. Yeah, like if. if I have never been interested about belonging to any religion, but if I would have to choose one, I would say like a Buddhism, because it, it talks to me the, the best. And I think like in if you go deep down with the original versions of Buddhism, it isn't really a religion at all. It's, no, it's not a philosophy, exactly. and a, and a, you know it's different kinds of practices that you can do that have pragmatic, you know, concrete effects, measurable effects in your life. And yeah. that's the thing about meditation and plant medicine work and mm. things like that. And why, how it's different from religion is that 
because it it really the their measurable effects people are on a journey you know mm-hmm. on a holistic journey when you're constantly dying and being born again mm-hmm. and sort of finding deeper yeah. truths about yourself and the world and and there's actual actual uh change mm-hmm. and transformation and healing that happens and it's something that you can measure so um there's so many things that i want to talk about uh, one thing that i do want to talk about still uh, i think we'll probably wrap it up soon but uh, I would love to talk about um, psychedelics and, and politics, and then I would like to talk about um, a little bit about integration and, and some some safety information regarding psychedelics. But but first, can you touch a little bit about why do these substances are so important and so powerful and so healing and divine and all of that? Why are they illegal in almost every country? Yes, so you ask me, how is it that psychedelics are illegal, although they have so many benefits? So I was just telling like in the history, the, all these substances became illegal only in 1968, I think. And it was mainly like uh, exactly political reasons like America was in, in war with Vietnam and people, young people were using a lot of LSD and a lot of psychedelics and they start to question like what's the meaning of the war and they start to kind of see that all this, this way of, uh, of life of the American materialism and, and the war machine is not the right thing and they, they start to question and of course the politicians got scared like now we cannot continue anymore in the way that we want because the, the war machine is uh, basically I mean if you study the history you know the in the companies who, who manufacture weapons they, they sell them to both sides of the war and they, they go somewhere and they create a war and they, they sell weapons to, to both part, parties and, and the, the war machine is like this big industry of course, they don't want anyone to question their practice because they want to, to make money and human feed. So that the American president, I think it was Nixon at the time, said like, okay, we need to stop this, uh, like I would call it the expansion of awareness. And, and then uh, <laughs> that's our medicine cat. That's our medicine cat. Yeah, that's so much to say, so much to say. Yeah, uh, so they, they made psychedelics illegal because of political reasons. Uh, they, they didn't want people to start to understand things from a different perspective or, or expand their awareness. And of course, another thing is the, the medical industry. Or Again, it's a proof of how in, in our current world everything is turned upside down, like the medicine. What they call medicine, I would call drugs, is this chemical pills that the factories make. So the, the drug companies, I would call the drug mafia. It's very, very powerful organization in the world, it's the biggest mafia in the world. And of course people, when they use psychedelics, uh, they can get cured from, from many diseases, like mental things like nowadays is being Again, they start to the studies to prove how psychedelics can help people with depression, with with uh, anxiety, 
and all kind of things and PTSD I think you yeah, mentioned PTSD yeah. exactly um, and the medic the drug industry they don't want people to get cured because they just want to sell keep selling their drugs to people exactly so I think the problem with a cured customer is that um, they no will more. stop buying medicine yeah it's no more <laughs> or drugs yeah exactly. yeah so they they don't so it's both it's the political but they don't want people to stop believing in the, in the politicians and the, and the medical, the drug mafia. They don't want to stop people to use their drugs they are selling. So it's these two big companies or, or these big powers in the world who, who don't want. And I guess I, I guess these these powers uh, also have their hands deep within the political structures in the U.S. and in. Probably, most likely, in Finland as well, and many other countries. Oh, sure, is is um, pulling the strings yes, somewhere. Sure. Yeah. And is in in Finland, people are like in our culture, we are somehow very naive that we don't believe that there's this corruption in our government. But if you start to study things that you see, like oh, uh, uh, like a CEO. A big boss of a of a drug company is suddenly a politician, and then it's like, oh, this politician is is makes a uh, like a law that somehow it's like um benefit the the big drug company that this politician is also head of. It makes a law that somehow makes it more easy for the company to make money, and you see all this this kind of corruption. In, in the structure if you start to examine and I guess you can go all the way down to like medical universities uh, medical schools like you have the same thing sure all all, all of those uh, I mean I've read of certainly many cases that the lecturers are supported and sponsored by by certain uh, like medical corporations and sure. and the universities themselves get funding from uh, Certain corporations, which yes. will, which sort of uh, uh, causes them to, to uh, like the money is earmarked, basically. Mm. So, exactly. so you don't just give money, mm. you know, for free. Yes. You certainly want. So you don't just. Um, you don't just uh, give money for free. You want something in return. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a well known fact that medical. Well, I I keep using the term the medical industry because people know that the medical industry is paying for the or sponsoring the the education of doctors. Mm. But actual most doctors are like salesperson of the of the medical industry. So right. When person has a, a some illness or is not really good, they go to doctor, West the medicine medicine doctor, and then uh, this doctor is just giving them some pills that the medical industry is sponsoring. Then the the doctor gets money from the company to give these pills to people. Tiny interruption. We have a another podcast guest over here who wasn't invited. <laughs> likes to come on sure. right it's okay yeah so anyway um you were talking about the medicine practitioners how they're sort of 
from medical school on they're already sort of conditioned to uh sort of become the spokespersons and the advertisers and and whatnot of the medical companies themselves to to administer the drugs and that sort of it's a business on its own so um what what is it about our medical industry that that you could say that is um like what should we be looking out for and what are some of the sort of positive positive sides because i believe that I, i feel like our western medical industry isn't all bad so there's probably something positive there uh, as well as i can see like certainly like uh, surgeons and first responders etc do excellent 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 work but then when it comes to uh, like holistic health and sort of changing your lifestyle and and sort of um living in in the way that will prevent you know prevent sickness preventative medicine etc uh there's uh, and and also mental health Mm. these are some of the areas that uh western medicine just uh doesn't do that well Mm. in comparison to many of the other methods yeah i I agree completely like western medicine uh it's also has a name of allopathic medicine i think allopathic the name comes from uh this uh samuel Hahnemann who was the founder of the homeopathic medicine he created this term allopathic medicine anyway western medicine of course it has uh, some situations where that's the best the best method to do is like for example if you're in a car accident and your your hand happens to fall out and of course it's the, the surgery the western medicine surgery it's very efficient like putting your, your body parts back together or, or whatnot uh, things like that like very acute things accidents happen but then some of the other things like uh, disease like um, autoimmune diseases for example a lot of other things western medicine doesn't really understand things that you need the long-term treatment for I myself I had very good uh, result from uh, Chinese medicine acupuncture that have helped me a lot with the hay fever mm, I think gone to a couple of years to a, a, a Chinese doctor who does acupuncture he's very good so I can recommend acupuncture just work for myself but yeah in, in our culture it's like exactly this unbalanced idea that like again as we discussed before mm, one of the things that i find very irritating is in in our culture we use the term traditional medicine when we refer to allopathic medicine actually our western medicine it's anything but traditional like it has been going on maybe couple of hundreds of years and then what is the real traditional medicines like the Chinese medicine or Ayurvedic or even homeopathy that are like actually they have tradition going for very very long time in the case of Chinese medicine it's been maybe 5,000 years and in our culture we call that like it's the alternative 
medicine. Uh, you know, it's like as if the, the Western medicine is the, is the normal way and the other things are like just something. So it's kind of like uh, the uh, not giving enough value for the real holistic practice. And I think there's a big, big problem with like uh, the Western sort of mindset that you can just... Uh, you can take a pill and then your problems go away. Yeah, like, yeah. Because it doesn't work that way. And like all of these original traditional mm. medicine practices sort of understand that lifestyle, it, that's, your, that's your medicine. Mm. What is the content of your day? Mm. What do you do? What kind of food do you eat? Uh, what, you know, what is your lifestyle and how important that is? And sort of uh, people in, a, in, in our country, they, they get sick. Then they take medicine, but they continue to live in a way that's not good for them. And then they're wondering why the problems don't go away. Yeah, it's, I noticed the same thing also with the spirituality. And one of the biggest problems is that people don't want to take responsibility. So it's like Western medicine, for example, sells people the idea like, oh, you can continue doing whatever you do, like you just take this pill and you get cured. And it doesn't work like that. Like, uh, for example, I remember hearing one, one case where um, a person went to meet, to eat in the house of another person. And then, then this, this guy who went to the house knew that this, this uh, person in the house has a, a high blood pressure. And they, they ate together and then, then he was observing the, the other man was using a lot of salt in the food. And said like, but you, you know that using a lot of salt is not good for your blood pressure, it, it makes it higher. And this man just uh, said to the other guy like, oh, but I don't need to think about that, like that's why I take blood pressure medication. It's like kind of selling people idea to like, you don't need to take responsibility for anything you just take this, this pill. This is an excellent point, I think. This is and this is something that we've talked about I think almost in every every episode of, oh, yeah, of this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Because it's the, I think it's the most important thing yeah. to take responsibility. And and you don't just take responsibility for, you know, simple things like that, but I think even like to go deeper, take responsibility for your beliefs. And this means that sometimes you have to toss out the television and start to do your own research, mm. you know, find out you, you, there's a problem in your life. Uh, what do you do? You know, you, you do your research, mm. you, you find out, you know, and you experiment and, and you, and like this kind of lifestyle, you get results, you know, sometimes it takes time to get to where you want to go, but at least you're making the journey. But there's another way of doing it, which is what most people do is that you just, um, you listen to one story, you know, one narrative, there's a narrative that the health organizations, for example, they're giving us one narrative about what health is, but it's very one sided. It's very limit, limited and restricted. And it's also, you know, I, I feel like it's, you know, there are things that are false as well, things that don't in you know, not don't fit my experiential fr framework of understanding. Mm. So that's certainly super important taking responsibility, certainly for what you eat, but also certainly for the information and what you choose to believe. Yeah. 
and in this cycle we could go so uh, to say like related to what you eat exactly it's not only what the physical things that you you put in your mouth but also it's like what you consume what kind of info what you read what kind of information you take in your consciousness uh, that's also part of that what goes inside of your being um, yeah responsibility as i said also i noticed in spiritual practice i i know because i used to make this mistake myself that i would go to a meditation retreat and think like oh i'm here now and I don't need to change things in my life, like it's enough if I come here and then things will change. But it's not like that. Or, or then I would go to a ayahuasca ceremony and think, oh, I just come here and think you some, some magic will happen. But it's not, it's not like that. It's like you go to a retreat, you go to a ceremony, uh, and it's kind of like a, you yourself, you have to walk on this path and, and the retreat. The ceremony is like a big signpost saying, oh, you go this way, you end up here, you go there, you go this way, then you end up there. But you still have yep. to walk yourself. If that's you it. think that just by following this signpost, you're going to get somewhere, it's not going to work. It doesn't work, exactly. And you, you got to do the work and you got to yeah. do the work every day. And yeah. it's decisions exactly. every moment. Yes. Decisions every moment yeah. that we have to make. And, and like a good example that I told before, uh, is like you can't go to the gym once and expect that you'll be fit for the rest of your life mm. no you have to go again the mm. next week and the week after that mm -hmm. and the week after that until you're dead otherwise you're gonna grow fat <laughs> yeah. and unhealthy right. and and all of that like it's a it's a progress like mm. you know and i used to be like that i used to want like a, a solution that you know I, I do the work once and then i'm good to go you know like that was that was my intention like that was how i went for my first ayahuasca retreat like enlightened overnight <laughs> i can let go of all the work <laughs> yeah i was so disappointed <laughs> when, I, when i realized that you know i gotta do the work man i gotta do the work every day and take the responsibility yeah exactly yeah for your beliefs for what you think also for your words what, what things you say, everything, like moment by moment, taking responsibility of each thing that you do. That's it. And I think it all comes together with like awareness. The more aware you are about the things that go on in your head and the things that come out of your mouth and the content of your day, uh, I think the more you're able to influence and I think this is also why meditation is, is so important because that's when you stop doing and you know it's not just I don't, I don't meditate in the way that I try to empty my mind mm. it's more like becoming aware of what's taking space in my mind what are the different noises and if I realize okay this this particular thing is very noisy in my mind and I come become aware of that I can I can investigate you know I can I can take a look at you know what's you know what's causing it what's actually uh the cause of this this noise in my mind mm. what wants to come through but is unable to express itself that i have to sort of look into my psyche and find find sort of uh you know sometimes there's no solutions i i i don't i'm not saying that there should always be a sort of a problem solving attitude sometimes 
it's enough to just be and feel and not ask questions. <laughs> and I think there's a time for, you know, all of that. So anyway, um, I just want to move on here. Like, mm. um, so we've covered that pharmaceutical organizations, um, they are very powerful and uh, they uh, certainly influence uh, governments and our policies a lot. And, and so the reason why psychedelics are illegal, would you say that is because it's it's sort of not creating customers, it's creating free thinkers and free, free thinkers are not reliant upon the government or mm. polit politicians. What would you say that is the main reason for that? Uh, well, one, one other thing I would say is also uh, people have fear uh, of the things that they don't understand. And unfortunately in our cultures, we have not been using psychoactive substances for so long time that our culture has become afraid of them. Hmm. There's also a big thing about the, the fear response. People are afraid of something and they just don't want to, to know about it. But uh, what was your question like exactly uh, referring to what? I don't like, yeah, yeah, like um, I really want to dig deep into it. I don't, we don't have to dig deep into it, yeah, but yeah. sort of to, to make a make a point about why they're illegal. Like mm. this is, I think, and it go, I think it goes so deep and so far, and and it has to do with so much corruption in the government. But I think this is an excellent point that you brought up, mm. fear, and also like fear stories because there's been uh, irresponsible use of psychedelics uh, yes. that have caused right. people to, you know. You know, there's a story going on. I don't know if it actually happened, but you know, someone took LSD or or mushrooms and then jumped off a window and died or something like that. And and this is something that this is a story. I don't know if it's real, but you know, mm. this is something that is put into people's heads and they think, okay, so you you take psychedelics, you jump out of the window and you die because mm. you believe that you can fly or something. Mm. And and it's it's all these stories and there's like, sure, anything in life you can use irresponsibly. You know, you can use anything, money, whatever, you can use irresponsibly. Mm. But you can also use responsibly. And these exactly. cultures in the Amazon, they've been doing this for a long, long time. And they mm. know how it's done responsibly mm. in a way that you can get positive results. And I think this is something that we don't understand. We are thinking about it as a drug because we have examples of irresponsible use. Mm. So I guess that's one. Yeah, and also it's like, well, first of all, what is dangerous? Like anything can be dangerous. People can die of, uh, people, can, somebody can die because they drink too much water. Yeah. Yeah, like if you, because it, it eludes the, some kind of electrolytes in your body. If a person drinks like maybe seven liters of water, they die because it eludes something in your, in your body and then it goes like osmosis and, and something happens. Tools, everything like psychedelics are tools. Uh, hammer, you can use hammer to hit someone in the head and they die. Or you can use you can use a knife. Like uh, example is like a person can use a knife, kill someone with a knife. Or you can use a surgeon can use a knife and cut out like something. A tumor. Yeah, tumor or yeah. whatever. Which is saving a life. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's not the. Uh, 
yeah, people don't, I mean, it's strange in, in, in the culture, like people get some idea, uh, people don't go say like, oh, knives should be forbidden because somebody uses a knife to stab someone, they die. No, people understand like, oh, it, it depends on the person who's using the tool. But of course, it's like with the psychedelics, it's, they are very strong substances and people need to use them responsibly and understand also this thing, for example, uh, set and setting is like where, where you are, in which kind of environment when you take psychedelics, who is there with you, what kind of energies are in the environment. Psychedelics, they are not good for everybody. Uh, for example, a person, if, if a person has a tendency that brain structure is somehow in a way that they can easily get into psychosis or schizophrenia, uh, psychedelics can somehow speed up the process. And yeah, psychedelics definitely is not for everybody. And the person has to be um ready to take responsibility for their life and the person has to be mentally ready also to accept what comes from what lessons come from the psychedelics it's also like meditation retreat is not for everybody before you you go on a for example vipassana uh, they also make a they question like you fill in information if you had uh, some mental disease or if you had drug addiction so what what your history has they they know what can happen in the in the retreat because of that and it's like it uh, these substances need to be used responsibly it's not just like like i said i myself i never had interest in the in the so-called recreational use and i think in, in our culture, it should be like, um, at the moment, they make a mistake that they are not even talked about much in the culture. I think mm, already in the school, uh, like the kids and teenagers, uh, they should be told like how psychedelics are used, for what purpose. Because people say, oh, you know, kids, they don't sort of know about these things. So it's like they're going to know anyway. And what kind of information they get in the internet they read something then and you don't even know if, if the information they get is, is good or not or or then like uh you know you can buy psychedelic mushrooms from the shady guy yeah. you know who, exactly. who will also sell you amphetamines and all kinds of crap right. and and, exactly. and like and that will get you twisted because then you don't really know yeah uh, what what you're dealing with mm. like there's you know but at least if you have the information about what what are psychedelics mm. you know what are what are narcotics and and you know what are what other minor altering substances there are and what mm. are their differences in how they work mm. and, and what are the potentials the, uh, you know the the dangers safety uh, concerns and 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 the potential like healing benefits mm. of all of these sub substances that have mind altering properties mm. That would be incredible. I totally, like, totally agree with what you're saying here. 
because they'll figure it out, you know, themselves, and 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 it can be a harmful process, mm. you know, going going on finding out about it yourself when you could just get the information from the school. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of have a, a vision that this this it first of all, of course, all of these things they should be legal. Like, there's no point of of being illegal, but that be more uh, like the traditional someone's they should be more appreciated in, in the culture and then I have the idea that it would be good to have a, a village and then there would be a someone who knows the uh, how to use the, the plants and then you even uh, uh, kids not not kids but young people who are in certain age they would go there and they would learn about the plants like I know in the in the cultures in the Amazon jungle in the tribes they start using they are part of the whole because the the, the plant is like part of the the life in the in the tribe absolutely I think children they drink drink ayahuasca as yeah. well and, and it's very gentle on the on children exactly and I know also this Mexican someone who I did the peyote ceremony with he said he started to use peyote when he was eight hmm. so I think it's it's Beautiful. part of the life that that children should start to to take part in that because they, they would understand like oh they, this uh, ego this mind thing is not everything and they would start to understand the connection between the nature and between the whole existence i think it's beautiful if you can if you can have that connection like mm. not removed from because i think we all have that when we're kids and it's yes. sort of it's conditioned exactly. programmed out of yeah, us yeah, in, in, exactly. in certain ways but I really like the idea of like, um, uh, like I think what would be the maybe the stepping stone for psychedelics to be be legally available uh, would be a sort of a regulated use of psychedelics. So for a person who's had uh, proper training, either with a shamanic lineage or mm-hmm. or something else, could be allowed legally to to administer mm-hmm. these medicines in in a ceremonial setting. Mm-hmm. I would really. There are people who would like to have this in clinical settings, and and certainly in the U.S. and the U.K. they're doing a lot of universities uh, are doing research on psychedelics, and they're doing this in a, in a clinical setting. But mm. but like even they, I know that experienced. You know, they don't have five thousand years of experience with this medicine mm. in the same way that that the the shamans in in mm. the Amazon do. And I think I think I certainly think that um, this, like you said, like you mentioned that. Um, you know this this sort of training and this sort of experience and this sort of work should be more appreciated mm-hmm. uh, certainly and, and I, I also feel like it would be incredible if we could you know have sort of legal regulated use of of these substances and also uh, a possibility to train to to work mm-hmm. with these substances in, in a, like a safe way mm-hmm. uh, under someone who's who's received you know proper training yeah, I myself, I feel it's very important for us to to acknowledge that this, like you said, the Western idea of the clinical setting, it's it can perhaps help some uh, form of mental sickness or other things like that, but it's not the, the real authentic way of working with the medicines. Like I, I know there's a concern from the traditionally trained um, 
shamanic practice and then like for example I know one person in the US who sees American woman that she's done uh, ceremonies like for maybe 20-30 years and she's done thousands of ceremonies she trained with the she people or I biking or like she's traditionally trained uh, ayahuasca and she said it's, it's a danger that now the western well it's it's the same industry it's this medical industry who who now kind of wants to take over also the psychedelic part in a way and so the the medical industry is kind of giving idea like oh let's make a research in a clinical setting exactly to how how you can use and they don't use even the whole plant like for example they take only part of the plant like they take like uh, one molecule of the of the magic mushrooms they take the psilocybin or they they use something defined not even the whole plant and they do a uh, or they do like a session with that and, and the people who are giving it they, they don't really even have necessarily um, understanding I don't even know if they have gone through the experience themselves or That's how it. much how much they can understand like they don't know anything about uh, spirit or well they don't know about the, the energies they don't know about like the songs they don't know anything that's it but, but it's traditionally trained someone who's been to, who went to the jungle who lived there for one year without talking to anyone and who had the experience of, of working with the spirits themselves and then I myself can understand there might be some benefits from this clinical setting but there's also a big danger that it just becomes like kind of legally recognized practitioners uh, and then the, the system kind of want to exclude the, the traditional someone from this and it's a big danger I think in that also absolutely I I would I would definitely 100% back you up there I absolutely think that um, that although there might be some benefits but definitely I, I, I have in holding such a high esteem the traditions and, mm. and the songs and there's you know, there's something else going on in there. There's something like for personally for me, like the connection that I have with some of these chants is is it it's beyond reason, you know. There's something in there like that keeps sort of uh calling me back to work with these songs, to mm. study with them, to mm. to to practice, to learn, and there's always more more to learn and there's such a power in the songs and I couldn't imagine having a ceremony or having a psychedelic experience without uh, having the songs to back back me up. I feel like they are such a uh, integral part of the, of the mm -hmm. whole process. So yeah, totally, totally agree with that. So, um, and I also kind of want to say that it's so important to like uh, for anyone who's interested in this kind of work it's very important to choose the, the shaman also with whom to work and, and with whom to train because like you already you already touched on this like there are people who might have a good heart but this this kind of work requires a lot of experience mm. 
like if you want to do it safely because so you know what to expect you know you're prepared for it you've got the toolkit like the sort of a energetic or spiritual toolkit to work with and i feel like it's so important to work with the right kind of people uh, who who've received the right kind of training mm. um but i still want to talk a little bit about uh, the integration process so mm. so we go into the we go into the experience and we have these beautiful healing experiences and and divine experiences of connection and 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 we work through trauma etc so and and it's a very powerful magical experience that you can have with with ayahuasca mm. so what is the, what is it like when you come back to your life and you, you come back to the your people and and possibly your job or you know home family etc what happens what happens then how do you sort of bring an experience like that you know to to how do you ground an experience like that and you know make uh, you know bring it into your daily life in a way that it's it's uh, it has positive effects uh, yeah i i smile a bit of this question because it's like First of all, uh, for many years, more than half of my life, I really didn't have any kind of regular work. I was always doing this kind of random work and I didn't really have a place to live. And, and people I was hanging out with, they were changing Australia a lot. So it's kind of like I'm, I'm the wrong person to ask like about uh, integrating it in your stable life. <laughs> but no, it, in, in a way it's also like already uh, when I was doing the meditation practice, it's kind of the same like you, uh, it's not necessarily for you to explain everything what you experience, it's like people close to you, they see the changes that you, you bring in your life and then they, they maybe ask you what you did. I mean, the first, of course, first I made a mistake of a mistake of explaining all my experiences. Uh, and maybe it was not like somehow touching the person so much. But when they could just kind of like, for example, my wife, I came back to home after the first ayahuasca ceremony. And I didn't tell her too much. So I just said, yeah, it was mm, nice and... I didn't explain too much what happened there, but, but then she could kind of see the changes in me. For example, I remember her saying, when I first came back from the first ayahuasca ceremony, I was much more relaxed. And I was kind of like, I was not so judgmental. Because even after all these years of doing the meditation, yeah, that's actually interesting, like, Meditation, uh, it kind of create a, a spiritual ego, kind of like I was very judgmental, for example, for people who, who were using a lot of alcohol. Or I had this kind of very black and white thinking, like, oh, this person is good, this person is not good. Um, and, and she said, like, after my first ayahuasca ceremony, I was much more relaxed and could enjoy life more and less judgmental. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's just those things that uh, people close to you, they see the changes in you. And they're like, okay, well, 
Actually, I see you have changed and then they ask what you did. And then you can tell what you have done. Yeah, yeah I think it's so important sort of mm -hmm. in a way to wait that people ask. Yeah. Because I suddenly made the mistake after my first ayahuasca experience. Yeah. Like, I want to tell everybody, like, <laughs> everybody should do this. You know? Yeah, I know. Like, now. <laughs> so, yeah, to sort of come down from that and see, like, you know, uh, something works for me doesn't mean it will work for someone else. Mm. If someone wants to know, then allow them to ask. I don't have to take responsibility for them. Exactly. You know, they yeah. will inquire if if you know that if they think that they need it. You mm. know, bad enough, they will inquire, and and then I will be happy to mm. you know give whatever exactly. information that I have. Okay, so I think I think we've covered almost all of our topics here. Uh, I still had a note here about uh, tobacco, which is something that since we're talking about psychedelic work and ceremonial work mm. and things like that, I really want to touch a little bit about that because mm. this is, this is, I feel like a lot of shamanic traditions, especially working with the plant medicines would say that the most important medicine for them is the medicine of the, and the spirit of the tobacco plant. And, um, uh, yeah, what the reason I want to talk about this is because the way we see tobacco is we, we think of, we think of, uh, you know, those chemical cigarettes that, you know, you get, get from the grocery store mm. and we think of cancer and, and we think of people who smell bad <laughs> and all of that. But what we don't think about is we don't think about, uh, you know, natural tobacco mm. and, um, how it's a strong spiritual tool that that can help in, in so many mm. ways and there are so many ways to to use it uh, so can you can you tell us a little bit about this this plant yeah i i also think it's very important to talk about this again there's so much mis misunderstanding and misinformation uh, and then it's like so many things in our culture they turn everything upside down like uh, tobacco actually it's a very old tool used in shamanic practices for thousands of years um, the spirit of tobacco like I said it was actually the one who told the uh, ayahuasca how to make ayahuasca and, and in, in, like you said earlier that all the different tribes who use different medicine uh, me if the medicine is ayahuasca or peyote or, or different other medicines they used in different parts of the world, but all of them, uh, what, what unites them is the spirit of tobacco. And it's like for myself, uh, first of all, mm, yeah, like, but well, let's go back to what I said about in our culture, tobacco. Yeah, so the, the medical industry or the industry has taken over tobacco and they put a lot of poisons, they put a lot of pesticides and all kinds of things into tobacco and then they grow it like commercially and basically then it becomes poison because of all the other things that they're putting in them. People think it's tobacco, but it's not the tobacco itself, it's not poison, it's all the other things they, they add to it, that's the poison. But the pure tobacco, uh, well, first of all, like myself, I, I never had interest in, in cigarettes 
I think I'm gonna try it once in my life and I was like, no, I don't like this. Uh, and then my first experience with the ceremonial tobacco was in the first ayahuasca ceremony. Sometime like in the evening we take the ayahuasca tea drink and then sometime in the night they said, okay, now it's the time for hape. Which is, I didn't know what it was, but I, I just, maybe they explained it something and I saw people going and taking hape. Hape is a, a medicine from the jungle, it's like a mixture of uh, wild tobacco that goes in the, in the rainforest and, and some uh, ashes of uh, sacred plants, two things together. And, and this tobacco they use is, is uh, not the tobacco that's grown commercially, it's called, uh, what they use is called Nicotiana rustica. It's the name of the, the Latin name of this plant is the white tobacco. And it's like nine or 20 times stronger than the Nicotiana tabacum is the one that is made. The commercial cigarettes are made from this other tobacco. Nicotiana tobacco. So is the, is the tobacco of the jungle, is it, is it the same as Mapacho? Or yeah, Mapacho is the name, name that they give in there. Yeah. Mapacho is the name of this tobacco. So first time I had hape in the ceremony, hape is this powder that they make. So and they blow the powder in the nose and then it goes through the mucous membranes. That's the end of it. And so someone, someone blows it for you, yes. serves it, and is that... That, that is it the shaman who, who serves it or yeah. someone who's sort of working? Shaman. Uh, and we can talk more about how important it is to, to receive also this medicine from a person who has uh, good energy. But yeah, first time I had happy from this shaman, from the, from the son of the tribe. I mean, from the sun, like there was two, there was water and the sun. And yeah, and he gave me, he gave me the, the uh, hape and I was like, it felt somehow very strong. I didn't really like it very much. First time, I didn't feel much effect. I was like, okay. Hmm. And I somehow, I, I was not really uh, opening to even to receive it. And I was somehow, I didn't know about it. And then back down to see it, and I, I don't remember having much effect from it. Then I went later on, they served more, then I went with more open mind, and I got more of this. And then it, somehow it hit me very strong, and it started a strong process, and I was vomiting a lot, and I, I was like, uh, I, didn't, I didn't like it first. Actually, it took me a long time to, to really understand how it works, and why it works, and because I didn't just understand it. It's a very, very strong uh, energy, and I, I, since that time, I learned to work with that. So, my part, so has the spirit of the tobacco. Mm, actually, I only start to understand really how to work with the spirit of tobacco. It was in one ceremony, I don't remember, maybe. To maybe three years later, after my first ayahuasca ceremony, I was in one ceremony in, in Norway. There was a guy who was serving, mm, uh, he was uh, practicing the Suar way of serving ayahuasca. Suar is a tribe who lives in Ecuador. 
And so he trained the sword and he was using tobacco a lot, liquid, liquid form. So how you make it is you take the mapazzo and you soak it in the water and then the tobacco comes into water. And then you, you, you kind of snort the tobacco water in your nose. Okay, interesting way to do it. Yeah, it is an interesting yeah. way of doing it. So I can't, can't believe that it's very com- convenient to, to do that. No. Right but anyway, and then I was like, oh, kind of praying to the, the, the spirit of the tobacco, like, oh, why is it every time I drink tobacco, I feel like sick and I, I want to learn to work with you and show me how you, how you work, help, help me to understand. And somehow, even though I had maybe strong, like, I think I was vomiting a lot because of that. So I don't know, but anyway, I understood somehow that, okay, this is what the tobacco is doing. It's cleaning the energies that don't belong in my body. Okay. So after that, I start to kind of uh, work more with the tobacco in a way that I understood, like, okay, well, uh, it, it maybe it makes me feel like I need to vomit a lot and stuff. It just brings all those things down for me. Yeah, and I think it's uh, also important to say at this point that like um, it's it's not uncommon to to vomit in an ayahuasca ceremony, especially after you've been served hatea. But mm-hmm. um, uh, the the vomiting, you're not just vomiting because you are, you know, nauseous. It's it's uh, it's a deeper process of energetic cleansing mm. and, and this is when the medicine sort of opens up you know stuck energy and and you start feeling the energy mm. and and then the energy comes out and and it can come out in so many ways like you can you know shaking or mm. crying or you know yeah or if it's very strong the energy usually that's you purge it out and that's mm. sort of and you feel really good afterwards because you know that something has left your body some traumatic energy or or some kind of energy that has sort yeah. of created a, a stuckness uh, within your body yeah and it's it's interesting like in in people usually they're afraid almost like oh i don't i don't want to go there and be feeling sick and all this stuff but it's like for me vomiting has never been a problem like i um that was back to when i was a kid i had these periods when i was like had a stomach pain and i was vomiting a lot and stuff and I understood like uh, after these ceremonies that or during the ceremonies that vomiting is one way for the body to release things that they don't belong inside the body uh, energetic stuff it's so often it's like a trauma like you said or it can be some energies one example I can say uh, comes to my mind kind of strong thing but it was like my father was alcoholic and he had this habit of when he was drinking the vodka, he would take the, the cork of the bottle and he would pour a little bit of alcohol in the cork and he would give me to, I don't know how old I was, I was like very young kid. And so anyway, since this ceremony, somehow the memory came to my mind. I, I took I, like in the ceremony, then I was like, somehow the trauma, the situation came to my mind. I was again there as a kid and my father would give me the the alcohol in the, in the cork. I was like, no, 
it can um, right away it can just do this thing that like no I don't want that it's not for me and then I start to vomit a lot after that mm. and I felt like uh, much better afterwards and then I understood like okay my brother without understanding he was trying to uh, pass on the curse of the alcohol to me and somehow like I've been blessed that there's some some kind of force has always been there guiding me so somehow I managed to purge out of my system. Maybe most likely I also vomit and win after this, I don't know. Mm. But in that moment it's like I, I vomit out the, the curse of the alcohol spirit. Many things like this happen in the ceremonies. Like it like you said, it, it can be uh, vomit it can be sometimes very very deep process like you feel like there's something uh, stuck there and this is where the cafe the tobacco is very good like um, uh, ayahuasca is the feminine energy i was actually exploring this in one ceremony because i i heard them saying about that like ayahuasca is the feminine the tobacco is the masculine spirit so I was high on ayahuasca and was like, okay, uh, feeling like ayahuasca is a spirit who accepts everything. It's like very wide, it, it takes everything inside and accepts everything is okay. And then tobacco is uh, the one that kind of like, oh, there's something inside of me that doesn't belong there. Then uh, tobacco is the one that it's kind of like a line that draws the line. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it gives you. The, the feeling of like, no, this does not belong in my body and then it takes it out. Yeah, so it's that's like the, the fire element, the masculine mm. that that moves things around, like, mm. you know, like, you know, let's get this thing moving, yeah. you know, exactly. and that's, that's what it, what it really helps with when mm. you're stuck in the ceremony. You don't really know which way you're going and mm. uh, you don't know which way the energy goes. You take a hop and you have direction exactly. and it's, not always very pleasant, but it's always necessary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would like to say exactly, and it's very interesting to to observe how how well they work together. Yeah. I was kind of unhappy. Yeah, and like uh, in the in the traditions of the the natives uh, in 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 Brazil, it's like a hape is it's an essential part of the. The ceremony mm. and it's encouraged encouraged yeah. to to receive this medicine yeah and it's also like we discussed earlier it's very important uh, energy uh, also because when you receive hape from someone it's not only the hape but it's also the energy of the person who makes the hape is there and i suppose the energy of the person who serves exactly yeah, yeah so because i'm very uh, picky about uh, who's who's made hape i use like there's one uh, someone called Cecilia whose hape I like the most. It's very very clear. It doesn't have any extra. I like to use it like for almost like meditation. Uh, and yeah, and of course the person who's serving that hape, mm, it's very important to go to someone who has a good energy and who's very clear and who doesn't put any extra in, in the in the in the cloth. Yeah, and I, I feel like it's so important when serving hape is that is that you become rather a vessel, like a channel. Mm. You don't 
you don't create anything you don't create the effect mm -hmm. it's more like you're you're uh, yeah you're a medium of of this sure. you know this uh spirit of the tobacco and, mm -hmm. and this other person and, and how they're supposed to interact mm -hmm. and it's a it's sort of like a i feel like it's a it, you know it, it's like an honor to to serve hot because it's like it you is. know it's it um you know, I am a fit vessel to administer this medicine, and and, uh, and it it feels good, and I, I feel like it's 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 so important to just um, you know I, I always if, if I'm serving happy I definitely make that um, sort of an intention that that I am a pure channel. Mm. I, I think it's so important that I'm not adding anything to it, mm. and uh, and uh, of course you can ask for protection for the other person that if there's some energies that um, are in my aura that are not meant to be passed on then that the other person will be protected mm. from those energies and also uh, perhaps if you're not in a good energy then you don't serve mm. it's like there's nothing wrong we all get you know too low energies and you know sometimes we're resentful etc yeah. but and it's okay you know yeah. it's life it's all the colors of life but it's it's not the time to serve or administer any kind of medicine mm. and so that's when we do our work you know we're working on something else so mm. is there anything that you would like to uh, you know give uh, some advice to people or or is this, is there anything that you would like to pass on that you feel that is important something that you can uni uniquely sort of um, pass on that you would like to talk about um, well, maybe I could just mention that, um, yeah, I, I have been searching for, or I, I was searching for some kind of teacher in my life and I, I did, of course, all these practices and I have never really felt like any person can, can really essentially be, be my teacher and I think it's somehow understood. In, in, in one point that there's nobody who can be a perfect teacher, that I have to be teacher to myself. That I learn things from different traditions, from different persons, but everybody is a, every person is like, a, uh, they have their own journey. Mm, yeah, so it's like, I can recommend one very good uh, someone that I have that I've done maybe at least 20 ceremonies with that I, I feel is very authentic uh, very uh, humble and is very particular can give very good advice can see exactly what person needs who is the kind of best someone I have met is called Asirua and she's from Brazil and she serves medicine and of course there must be a lot of good someone and different persons uh, you, you meet someone who resonates with you and then you, you go with this person because for you so somebody else might resonate because of something that you need from them mm, yeah what else advice I could give question everything like don't I mean for myself 
always been like uh, whatever comes in my life I'm like okay does that work for me mm, you know like an, is it like does it make sense first of all is it logical can it be useful in my life is it doing harm for anybody else like they, they give you these kind of guidelines also in the meditation that you need like before you start to practice any technique or something you need to see also like what kind of changes it makes in the life of a person who's doing this technique or this practice is it good for them yeah question try different things don't like uh, have any any like final thing like oh i'm never going to do this depends if you really feel like it's not for you then it's not for you but don't automatically close something out of your life because your first impression is something like it might be that something uh, that you come across it it triggers you something in the inside of you and you don't like remember that so actually it's not that the technique is not the person themselves who's a mistake who's causing anything but it's just because this person is for example being a mirror for you and you reflect something in, in them that you actually have inside of yourself awareness uh, yeah like I've done a lot of uh, research also about different things like there's a good method of communication I can recommend it's called non-violent communication and I recommend people to look it up it was created by a, a man called Marcel Rosenberg he was American guy psychologist and he created this method of how you can use communication as a, as a tool for awareness like first of all you need to see what kind of language you use with yourself like when you make some mistake how you talk to yourself like do you say oh i was such an idiot why i did this or do you talk to yourself like okay why i did that and it's kind of how you talk with yourself is how you talk with other people and if, if you're in a, in a conflict with someone it's very typical people go on and say like oh you are this and that and such an idiot and blah blah but instead of that it's good to just see like mm, this situation how it made me feel and why I react that way and you kind of instead of attacking the other person you you look at more yourself what happened there to me and yeah awareness just about things in life like mm, for me is uh, of course it's a big challenge sometimes i remember feeling like uh, why why do i have to be so conscious person why i have to be so aware of everything i do uh, like why i cannot just be like everybody else and just live but because i am like this <laughs> I, I accept it's like okay my my um i also understood like okay i i see things that are uh, not done correctly that are not good but it doesn't mean that i need to change them myself necessarily it's more like i i do meditation more i do plant ceremonies more i feel like uh, i'm much more than just this body 
like this body is like a channel and, and I see something wrong it just I bring the awareness to the collective field like oh this need to be changed it doesn't mean I have to do anything but it's just to bring the consciousness to the collective you and you and then it kind of creates change in that then somebody else might notice oh hey that need to change the more people kind of notice that the more it creates energy for that change to happen yeah and you know sometimes it's just uh, your energy resonating in the space yeah. that does the work exactly. and sometimes you can just allow it to happen and yeah. it's, it can be so simple <laughs> and other, other advice I would give to people one very good decision I remember making when I was a kid it was like I decide like I, I observe people around, around me I said most people are so concerned what other people are thinking about them and that doesn't allow them to grow so I have to decide now that I will never in my life care what anybody else thinks about me and it, it's like um, it's so strong the energy in that because it it has uh, it's, it gives freedom it also gives responsibility for me to, to do the right thing even if not everybody else is doing the wrong thing I still do the right thing because I have to do it that's powerful and, and it, it's uh, it's a decision I, I can say mm, like in the Vipassana they, they teach that the, the, uh, the person who who's been known as the Buddha uh, he worked for many many lives to come to a point when he could decide that he's going to sit under a tree under the, until he becomes enlightened and and he had to, to, to work on, on that uh, determination for many lives mm. and I feel also for many lives I had to work to have this determination that I will be myself nothing else matters and actually now when I talk about it I can feel like the energy of that thing is so strong it, it, it's uh, it cuts through everything else that all the suffering all the traumas all the all my ancestors all my parents everything all humanity nothing else matters but this energy of the determination to, to cut through it is so strong that it's just like uh, a sword and 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 you know I just surrender it like no no matter what happens this is my life not only this life but it's, it's the decision I made in here when this body dies when when my whatever goes to somewhere else and is born again this same energy comes in the new form yeah it's uh it, it takes so much courage to you know for a lot of people it's a huge huge yeah. restrictive challenge uh, you know to to just be who you are despite of what other people think about okay. you and and i certainly i've struggled with that mm. a lot a yeah. lot and like you know like things like making this podcast for example mm. it's it's uh, these are attempts of you know breaking more and more free mm. you know from from this thing because in this podcast we talk about what we think yeah and we yeah. are as we are and you know it's 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 fucking powerful you know yeah. so you know i, I know. highly encourage also i can encourage people to do things that you know 
like to think about what would I do if I didn't, if I wasn't afraid of what other people would think about me or mm-hmm. if they would charge me, uh, what, what, what would be the kind of thing that I would do? And it's a, it's a powerful question to ask suddenly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And also it's like um, you and me both, we have, I, I think we have also been uh, living in other bodies that most likely it was uh, alive in the time of the witch hunts and things like that. And we have been killed many times for who we are. And I remember, uh, maybe it was reason or maybe it was something else, but I remember kind of, you know, reason or something. I was telling someone like, okay, like, you, you kill this body, it's okay. But I will come back in another life. I will come uh, again. I will meet you in another life, and then again I will tell you the same thing. And then you have to make a decision what to do. It's mm. powerful. Yeah. That, is, that is powerful stuff, is. man. I like, okay, well, okay, right. And then you, then yeah. I understand. Like I've been. Alive many times doing the same thing, and I, I still keep doing. No matter how many times they kill this form, but I will always come back. Uh, I will tell the same thing to the same, not the person, but the same energies. Mm. And it's very, very, very beautiful. Like I remember, uh, one one teacher also I recommend very much. Of course, he he talks um, in Finnish. He's called Samuel Perala. And I remember watching one of his talks and somebody asked him a, a question about like he was in somewhere he, he need to tell somebody very strong something and someone said it was not only you uh, it is well the person it was like a kind of channel oh not, not a, a bad person but it was just in that moment channeling this kind of uh, dark energies. And the other person had to be very strong again, like saying this this is not accepted here. And mm-hmm. somebody was telling telling this woman like it was not only you in this moment as this darkness had to face, but it was all all the other uh, beings that you channel in that moment. Mm-hmm. So it's like that for us also, like when we are in this moment of, of uh, struggle and or have to be strong when we are strong it's not only us but it's also so many other, other invisible forces that we don't see but they are here to support us yeah it's a, it's a, like a, whenever you make a strong decision you are you are essentially you're shifting consciousness mm-hmm. so you're creating you're like printing consciousness and the more you make you know, brave decisions, the more the world gets more, uh, there is this energy of courage and, and, and being brave in the world. And, and there's so much that, that sort of comes through in, in moments like that. Mm. And it builds, builds our resilience and strength because we learn mm. that, you know, you can do it. You can be yourself. You can say the thing, say the hard things and, mm. and you'll survive, you know, yeah. you'll move on, you'll, you'll move on and, and uh, you'll be stronger uh, mm. next time, and you'll be wiser. Mm. So yeah, and also p- people have, uh, or it's an idea that love uh, is something that ac- accepts everything. But sometimes 
uh, it's it's more loving that you you ha you have to shout sometimes. You have to be very strong sometimes. If a person doesn't understand any any other language, you you might have to shout. Yeah, you draw strict boundaries. Yeah. like you know sometimes that's love. That's also it, love. Yeah, love is like you know I do not accept. Mm. You know, yeah. that's love. Mm. You know sometimes we need that. <laughs> you know suddenly. Sure. Okay. Um, would you uh, tell us still uh, one last thing? Like, what is it that you do these days? Is the uh, something that you do that is interesting or something that you're excited about? And how do people get in touch with you? Um, excited. Well, I'm excited about life, about all the lessons that that each moment is bringing. Mm, practically practical things uh, at the moment for to earn money I, I work as a security guard um, it's not something that I, I see myself doing for very long but it has taught me useful things like how to uh, like positive masculine energy is something very useful to learn from it also this clarity of communication and setting clear boundaries useful lessons what I do like yeah I would like to work more in the in the field of health I was I was doing massage for a couple of years but I didn't have enough customers um, I'm kind of interested also in the in the coaching uh, I mean one of one of my passions kind of is to help people to find their, their purpose in life like it made me kind of feel sad when I, I read um, people who are dying and, and uh, they often regret that they, they've been doing a work they don't like for half of their life or they don't spend as much time with their loved one as they would like and I think it's a great shame if somebody wastes their life in that so I would like to support people to find a their purpose in life. Um, I like to do a lot of research, research and read and I, I also would like to learn more about playing guitar for example and singing creativity. Um, yeah, this kind of things I, I do, I live life. I try to learn as much as possible. I, I could easily also maybe be some kind of uh, researcher in a laboratory studying things um, most likely I have been in other life but then I got bored of the laboratory I, I was like I need to go and meet meet with people yeah <laughs> not a feeling and, and how people find me well uh, uh, Facebook I had for many years but then nowadays I, I call it a fascist book Right. Because, yeah, time. because I during the time of the uh, Corona pandemia, which I, I won't go into that at all. Any, anybody can make up their own research. But I made comments about it that I don't really appreciate. Yeah, so there was heavy, heavy censorship on, yes. on the platform. Yeah. So when, during those times, they, they decided to throw me off. Yeah. Like, Good, now I, I can be free because it was annoying me. I would go to, to read something on the internet and I would end up being on Facebook for half an hour or longer reading some meaningless stuff. 
I was like very happy then when I was thrown out yeah. of there. Yeah, what freedom. So, but I think you have a, are you still writing a blog or is that? Yeah, I, I, have, a, I have a blog. Uh, and uh, I'll put all the links in the description. Yeah, so. I have Telegram, I have WhatsApp. Telegram is, I think, one of the best channels. Like WhatsApp also is owned by the same company uh, who run the Facebook. So somehow I don't trust WhatsApp so much like Telegram. Yeah, I don't know. Like um, what else in the future? Maybe I could also have my. I've been thinking about having a YouTube channel, but I think it's too much work in the format. But actually, um, quite a few people I met, I talked with, they said to me, Oh, your life is so interesting, you should write a book. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I recommend that. So that's, that's something I'm, I'm actually considering doing, write a book. Help do it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would like to... Oh yeah, this is one idea I had. Um, in in US and other countries, they have this uh, um, psychedelic integration codes. If a person the person goes to a psychedelic ceremony, and afterwards they don't know how to in integrate what they learn in the ceremony in their daily life, so this psychedelic integration codes would help them with that. Okay, no, that uh, would be an excellent you know, way to yeah. do something good in the world. I nowadays, especially because it's like, uh, for many reasons that we discuss earlier, psychedelics has, is becoming more in, more like uh, available, more people are researching it, doing the ceremonies, and I would actually like to do this kind of work of psychedelic integration codes. That's an idea, I don't know how it would work in the, in the practice. Definitely something to, to, to do. Yeah, that, that, I, I think that would suit you perfectly, mm. for sure. Okay, so I guess at last we're wrapping it up. We've been talking for more than three hours. So this is <laughs> easily yeah, the okay. longest podcast so far. Oh, and, yeah. You can you make know, two parts. Absolutely, I make two parts. And, you know, I've had such a blast, you know, such important interesting very very interesting topics and important information and such a wide package of information you know from meditation psychedelics and and, and certain many areas of holistic health just as we planned bringing this out for people um so thanks thanks a lot narahari for joining me on this podcast yeah, and thank uh, you i really hope that we can do this again sure yeah and, and i have a lot of also, um, lately I haven't been writing my blog, but there's a lot of research also about the, uh, what I think capitalism is, is kind of religion and then is, uh, there's other, other more holistic ways of understanding the world and based on the, on the happiness of people and not how much money they make and all this kind of thing. So there's a lot of things I'm, I'm interested about to make research on how, how to make a world a better place. Because I, I think far too many people are just like going to office and working nine to five and not doing anything else in their life. And I think we all uh, could do more. 
it could make the world a better place. I agree. Oh, one one last thing I I want to say is, mm, I have never been interested in the traditional politics, and I'm still not. But I was a candidate two times in the elections, and although I think the current system of politics is corrupted, doesn't really work. But still, I'm going to vote in the next elections that come in the spring, because at least it's something to to do to 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 try and bring the change. Okay, so that's uh, it's it's a good thing to to sort of bring up because a lot of people are not voting. Yeah, and, uh, that, that's or, also. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a big mistake because there's a lot of potential there also for good things to happen. But people need to be more active. People need to take responsibility. Uh, also, it's very easy to say like, oh, politicians, politicians are corrupted, and all these things complain. But then, what are you actually doing to to change the system? It's very easy to complain, but if you want to, if you are asked to do, to do something practical, then what are you doing? That's it. So I uh, like a uh, shout out to Chris Talipuolo. I think yeah, I think they're sure. doing a pretty good, pretty good work, and uh, it's uh, really bringing these values that both of us uh, support uh, mm. in many ways. The bringing those values into the into the uh, government. So uh, hopefully. It will grow, and and uh, you know these people will, uh, you know, be able to, you know, get elected and uh, be in a position of power, uh, so that we can get some, you know, better and, and wiser morals and values, you know, exactly. into the government. You know that will, of course, influence all of us here. So now we're gonna <laughs> wrap it up at last. So um, thank you, guests for joining us uh, today. All the best to you. Ciao. Ciao.